Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Well, good day. Good to see everyone here at Church for All Nations. My name is Pastor J.F. Wilkerson. So, 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 so honored that you would spend part of your weekend here with us. Uh, it's fall, is it not? I mean, you, you can feel it outside. I got my fall shirt on. I mean, we're rolling here, aren't we? So uh, it's a great, great, great time of year here in the great Pacific Northwest and great time for our church. I mean, you heard it. There's just so much stuff going on, really, really exciting stuff and uh, just new ways to reaching this neighborhood. We, we, we want you to know if you're new to this church or just visiting or looking for a church, you should know that Church for All Nation uh, prioritizes this backyard, this neighborhood, this community. We are committed uh, to sharing the love of Christ right here. Oh, of course, the region, of course, but we start right here, and uh, it's amazing what the Lord does as it just expands out. So uh, you're in a good place, and so we're excited about that. Hey, today is day 21 of our prayer and fasting, and uh, yeah, who's ready for some cheeseburgers? I don't know, uh, uh, but man, we, we, uh, this has just been a phenomenal 21 days of prayer and fasting, the Lord has been speaking so clearly to my wife and I and, and uh, dreams and visions, and, and I know he's been speaking to a lot of you too, because I've been getting the text messages, the emails, the phone calls, the coffees. Uh, it's just an amazing thing when we're intentional uh, when it comes to connecting with the Lord through, through fasting. It's just different, uh, and so uh, I hope you've had a great connection with God. And we'll be doing another one in the new year. So exciting stuff. Today, we're continuing our series entitled All In. Say all in. We started the conversation last week uh, as to what it looks like uh, to say yes to Jesus and then to pursue him and what he wants for us in a very intentional, uh, purposeful way. And, and so, and so, uh, as we're in this fall season, you know, this is the time of year where we're kind of all getting back on track. I know some of you have signed up for, you know, the YMCA and LA Fitness and you got your, uh, you know, high protein, low carb diet going now. And, you're, you know, you got your kids back in their, in their sports teams and school started. And you're just kind of getting more intentional with life because how many of you know, like the last two months in, Pacific, in the Pacific Northwest, we all just kind of lose our minds and we just sleep in tents in the woods and ride jet skis because it's like, we don't, you know, it was just like, hey, we get to be outside. So, but now we're kind of like, here we are, we're, we're back into it. And so it's a great time to stop and look inward and to really focus on, uh, once again, for some of us, this is just another reminder. For some of us, this is the very first time. What does it look like to really be a follower of Jesus? Because here's the misconception, if, if we're not careful, that, that we can get. We talked about it last week. Some of us have said yes to him or we signed up for him, but we didn't really know what we were getting ourselves into. And what you need to understand today, friends, following Jesus is a radical decision. It, it, is, it is completely counterculture to everything the world says is the right way to do life. It, it, it rubs us the wrong way, our, our, our carnal humanity. And when, when you sign up for Team Jesus, when you get the t-shirt, I'm telling you, uh, you are signing up for something that is so backwards to what the world says. It's, it's a radical following. 
And so with that in mind, Jesus was very clear as to how we are supposed to live our lives as his followers. And so for the next handful of weeks, we're taking some time as we're realigning our lives with, you know, whether that's food and diet and career and families, to, to really realign ourselves, to maybe for some, for some of us just kind of get back on track as to what it looks like to really be a follower of Jesus. And so this series is entitled All In, All In, Matthew 28, Going, Making Disciples. So last week, if you remember, we talked about the kingdom of God. Now, I could spend six months on the kingdom of God. I only had about 25 minutes, all right? But, but, but we talked about what the kingdom of God is, what it looks like, how it relates to us. We talked about the fact that the, the, the kingdom of God is not of this world. It's, it's a spiritual kingdom. We talked about how, it's, how the, the kingdom of God has one king. His name is King Jesus. And the way the kingdom of God plays out in our lives is in community with other believers, and that's when we launched small groups last week. And by the way, if you didn't get a chance to sign up, make sure you get out to one of our info desks, get the menu, get plugged in in a small group because that's, that's what he instructed us to do. He modeled it for us. And so last week we talked about the kingdom of God. Today, for the next couple of minutes here, we're going to talk about the church. Does anyone want to talk about that? The church of Jesus Christ? It's important. Part of going all in is understanding the bride. Part of going all in is understanding what the church of Jesus Christ is and, and the function of it. And so I want to talk a little bit about his church today, if you're taking notes. And, and, the, and the passage of scripture that I want to look to is in Ephesians chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there or or you can catch it on the Bible in the sky, Ephesians chapter 2 here. And let's look at verse 19. This is the Apostle Paul, who many of you know, Jewish man, uh, raised and uh, as, you know, learned uh, the law and became a, a Pharisee himself, a, a religious man who had a history of literally um, uh, persecuting uh, followers of Jesus. And he has this radical encounter with, with the Spirit of God. His whole life is turned upside down. And now he's like this wild man for Jesus, right? And so he's going around Asia Minor and he's planting these churches. And so there's this church in Ephesus that he's writing to. And this is what he says to this group. He says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Now, let me just stop right there because this was a very poignant statement to make to these people in Ephesus because these were all mostly non-Jews. They're, they're, they're Gentiles, everything but not Jewish people. And here's Paul, I just said it. He's this Jewish man. They, they know his history. They know who he is. And here he is, and he's making this bold statement. And the reason why it was so poignant and so radical for, for, for them to hear this coming from Paul is because most of their life, they would, have been, they would have felt rejected by Jewish people. They would have been reminded constantly that the Jews were God's chosen people and that they were second class. They, they, were, they were foreigners in the kingdom of God. So Paul, right off the bat, is saying, I'm sorry 
that people like me, that religious people lied to you. He's saying, look, you're, you're no longer a foreigner, foreigner in God's household, right? And he, he, he begins to unpack it. And let me stop for a second and say this. Quite frankly, I could spend the rest of this talk simply talking about this reality that there's some people in this room, you bought a lie. Maybe you knew a religious person or, or you were a part of a religious thing. And because of the way they treated you, the, the, the way that uh, it, the information and content was delivered to you, caused you to disconnect from Jesus' church because you didn't feel accepted. So before I keep going, I just want to stop as the pastor of this congregation and apologize in behalf of some of these other religious people that led you down the wrong road. You are no longer a foreigner. You are his sons. You are his daughters. And you are accepted right where you are. So let's go back to the text. Let's read it again and then carry on. It says, consequently, you're no longer foreigners. You're not strangers. You're, you're, you're part of us. You're fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. So this little church in Ephesus, their minds are beginning to probably just explode. It says, you're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Underline that. We're going to come back to that. Verse 21. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together. Underline that. The process, you're being built together to become, this is so cool, to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I'll, let me come back to that in a second. So here's the thing. We, we have to begin to change our mind. Aren't you grateful for this beautiful facility that we get to gather in and worship God? Grateful for the men and women that literally brick and mortar built this, paid for it, and, continue, and all of you who continue to, 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 to invest your finances here so we can keep gathering. How many of you like in the paint outside? Paint's coming together. and I mean, it's just beautiful. It's exciting that we have this phenomenal facility to preach the gospel, to disciple, to see people come to Christ, to see families grow. It's, a, it's such a gift from God. But I want you to know, this is not the church. Uh, I like this podium. Do you like this? It's cool, right? I mean, I dig it. But there's nothing holy about it. It's not the church. The church is the people sitting in the chairs right now. You are the church. And where the people of God are, there is the church. And watch this. Where the people of God go, the church goes too. It's just, it's, it's, it's just a wow. For some of you, that's the first time you ever heard that. Maybe you grew up in a church that had a steeple and a cross and a choir with robes. And let me tell you, I love all that stuff. I, lo I love getting to travel and going to ancient cathedrals. And, and there, I remember when I, when I, uh, I was in college, there's a, there's a, I don't even know what kind of church it is, but up, up on Capitol Hill in Seattle, every Monday night, these, these literal monks come together and they chant for like two hours. And I can remember being like 18 with all my friends. And the tradition is on Monday, I don't know if they still do it, but all these UW students, Seattle Pacific, uh, 
uh, Northwest University, we'd all come. There'd be like a thousand students and you lay on the floor of this like ancient cathedral and these monks would, <laughs> and like you lay there and it's just like, oh. and I, I got to tell you, I've had some of the coolest like Holy Spirit God moments in, in that setup. But how many of you know, I've also had the opportunity to be three days after that massive earthquake took place in Haiti while the ground is still shaking where they wouldn't let us go into structures and gathered in circles with 20 and 30 other people and had church out on a grassy knoll. You, you, listen to me right now. You are the church. And Paul is trying to describe that, that, that his spirit is dwelling inside the church, which is you. And when you leave this place this afternoon, some of you are going to go sit at a sports bar and watch football. Fine, so be it. You, you are the church in that environment. Like, like if, if we begin to think like that, that we're going to go to our friend's house after this gathering and we're going to watch the second half of the Seahawks game, man, I have an opportunity to be the church for that group of people that didn't gather together in Jesus' name today and think about the power that's in your hands. When you, when you stand around in, in your Monday morning quarterback tomorrow by the water cooler, okay? After you get done ripping everybody, he should have thrown the, all that stuff. Like, you, you can be the church in your own work environment. I can go on a long time about that. But some of you, you just, you just need to hear that today. We're also one church. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of facilities and buildings all over this community with different names across them. This one says Church for All Nations. I like that name, Church for All Nations. There's others that say First Baptist. There's others that say that Motion Church. There's others that say, that, say Champion Center. But I want you to know, Jesus doesn't look off the balcony of heaven today and say, man, I'm, oh, Church for All Nations, that's, that's my, no, no. He sees one gigantic group of people under the umbrella of the church of Jesus Christ. And I'm all about fellowships and, and, and you know, we believe different things, little things and, and, and all these kind of, we're human, right? But man, he sees us all as his kids, as his church. And the quicker we understand that we are one church in this community, the more effective we will be for the gospel and the healing process of Jesus, the son of God throughout Pierce County. If we can partner more and link arms more and humble ourselves more, man, Jesus is like, that's how I want it done. That's how I want it done. So, so, so we're one church as well. But I, I love what Paul does here because Paul, Paul uses a symbol. We, we, we see symbols all throughout the, the Holy Scriptures. And when he's talking about Jesus' church here, he actually uses a symbol of a temple or a building, if you will. And I, and I want to I play off of this symbolism with the structure, Okay. And I'm going to show you, I want to unpack a little bit about the church of Jesus Christ, how it relates to us as we go all in with him from a very symbolic painting, if you will. Are you with me? So if you're taking notes, write this first one down. I want to give you three symbols of the church that Paul uses to teach us. And that is, number one, the foundation of the church, the foundation of the church, and then put a hyphen by it, and then write this phrase, the word of God. Okay? 
the foundation of the church, the word of God. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The foundation of the entire church of Jesus Christ is the word of God, period. Now, the prophets spoke the word of God. The apostles taught the word of God in the New Testament. And if you're going to build upon anything, you must have a solid foundation. When I was growing up, my old man, he's a, he's a bit old school. He thinks from like an old school mindset, which is totally fine with me. I get it. It's awesome. And Jesus freak. But he had this philosophy, four sons. Um, I was the oldest. And he had this philosophy that uh, to really teach a young man, like a solid foundational um, work ethic was, son, you're going to do manual labor as a job, right? So like, it's, it's tricky nowadays because like I have, I have a son who's coming up and, you know, you can make so much money on the internet. You know what I mean? Like, or other ways. But like, my dad was like, no, you're not going to, you're not going to sell t-shirts at the Gap. Like, you're going you're gonna to swing a hammer. Uh, I'll find a guy to pay you just to dig holes all over somewhere. You're going to learn manual labor. It's going to teach you work ethic. And, you know, I had some push pushback, but I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to win with my dad. He's, he is over me, and he's my pastor, by the way. And when, what he says goes. Are you, are you with me? And so I, I can remember, like, like, all through middle school and high school, every summer, uh, it didn't matter how many extracurricular sports, you know, sports teams I was on, full-time gig doing some type of a manual labor job. Now, one thing that some of you know about me, and we're, we're in a church full of builders and contractors and stuff, um, I'm not that, all right? Not that I have, I don't have a bad attitude towards it. Like, I wish I could, I could build a Zetterberg home. I really do. I, they don't want me on their properties, okay? Like, I, it's not, I can sweep, I can, you know. I mean, I had a problem stacking my firewood last month. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's a, it's a, but my dad was like, no, you're going to do it. And I can remember him going to like his contractor buddies and like, hey man, could you hire my son? He'll, he'll do it. And they're like, I don't know, Pastor Rich. I mean, okay, yeah. And I can just, I made things worse for them. And I can, like one year I worked for a painting contractor and God bless him, Brother Tim Soley. You know, it's just like, he's just, all right. He's like the, he's like the nicest guy ever, but he'd come back in and be like, oh, that's not, that's not good. You know, I'm like, like, I was just like, that's not that good, JF, you know? And I'm like, I'm sorry, you know? But one summer, one summer, God bless, there was a contractor that was friends with my dad. And this is when they were building the, the big Cannerwood homes and everything out past Gig Harbor. It was just, you know, Cannerwood. And I can remember, he's like, yeah, we're framing houses out there, right? So I, I was 17 years old and I, I, I framing houses, never. But I mean, I, I didn't, I'd never even put one of those utility belts on before. I didn't even know the guy puts it on me like, ah, okay, you know, it's like David's armor. You know what I mean? Like all this stuff. And I remember these old crusty, you know, construct, every other word was the F word. You know, they're, they're, they're pounding Budweiser's at six o'clock in the morning. You know, just that, that old construction worker thing. I'm just like 17. I'm like, what in the world? And get up there and carry the, and I remember being like 30 feet up. I'm like, oh, I'm going to die. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm walking these beams and like, I just thank you God for saving me. Right. I, I think I was on the job for about two weeks. And then they, they said, we're going to move you on to another area. Right. You're, you were, 
You weren't born to frame houses. And Blue's sitting right here like, yeah, you're, you're right, you weren't. Um, but I had this moment where it was like a lunch break or something, and, and we're, we're sitting on this ledge, and we were probably, I don't know, 25, 30 feet up on this house. And these real professional framers were like explaining me the process of building a home. And I'll never forget, one of them looked at me and said, you know what, JF, what we're doing right now doesn't matter at all unless the guys who came a month ago uh, got this foundation right. He, he said, if there is the slightest bit of compromise in this foundation uh, and we find out about it, mind you, there's been like 38 inspections before we got here, but we got to tear this whole joint down and fix the foundation before we build anything on it. And the reason why I was so dramatic and made you laugh just now and put that picture in your head is because self-help conferences, Tony Robbins, whatever you like to make you tingly and feel good or, hey, live like this and it's gonna be awesome. Like, fine, great. But man, if that's all you're getting at Church for All Nations and you're never actually getting the foundational word of God, leave this place. If, 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 whether it's me or somebody else, we've got great preachers here. But, but if you come and, and, and there's times where you don't even hear God's word read or taught, go somewhere else. Because your frame, <laughs> the, 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 the structure you're building doesn't make, it's not a hill of beans without the right foundation. And the foundation of Jesus's church is the word of God. It always has been, and it always will. All right. So, so that's the, that's the first, that's the first thought that I had with this, with this picture uh, that, that Paul's using here. Here's, here's a second symbol. I'll, I'll go faster now. Write this down the cornerstone of the church, who's Jesus. We just read about it. So, so Paul says you need this foundation, but even before that, you need an initial stone that will literally hold the foundation in place and help guide the rest of the construction. Because in ancient times, the cornerstone of any structure was placed at the corner and it literally united two walls together. So the cornerstone was a place where the building was joined, but it was also where the structure, the building rested. So it was twofold. It brought the walls together, but then the entire structure as it's being built, all of the pressure rested on that one cornerstone. So because of that, this cornerstone was the most expensive part of the process. It was usually the largest. It was very intentionally chosen, this cornerstone. And by God, thank you, Jesus. King Jesus is the cornerstone of his church where he brings you and me together. We're joined together. And not only that, we join arms, we link arms spiritually as his church and we rest on his shoulders. Now someone say, thank you, Jesus, that we don't have to do that for ourselves because he is 
the chief cornerstone. And my friend, he is not some ordinary stone. He is rather the living stone. <laughs> he is alive. First Peter 2, 4, and 5, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God, precious to him, you also like living stones. Now watch this, are being built. So it's a process. You, you're being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The cornerstone of the church, King Jesus, who joins us together and then says, lean on me. Lean on me. Uh. When you're not strong. Right? That's what he says. Band, please come back. As the band comes back, here, here's the last one. Write this down. Here, so, so Paul's been using this picture of a temple, of a structure, with, with the word of God being the foundation of the church of Jesus Christ. But it's not, it's not just that. In fact, there's an there's a, there's a actual stone that holds this thing together cornerstone who is Jesus. And here's the third one. Write this down. The building of the church. And then dual hyphen and then just write you and me. He's building us as we build his church. And here's the thing. You and I, in a spiritual sense, are actual stones that Jesus is using to construct his church, the building blocks, if you will, if you jump back to Ephesians 2.22, you and I are spiritual stones, spiritual blocks. And then uh, just think, I don't want to just blow over this. Think about this. Jesus, he's building his church. And, and the materials that he's using are broken people like you and I. Like think, think about how backwards that is those of you that are builders, to think that you're going to put your name across a building and use damaged goods to build a house. It's, it's just stop and say, thank you, Jesus. I don't, I don't get that whatsoever. So, so he doesn't use perfect timber. He, use comp, he uses compromised timber. He, he, he gets his materials at the end of year Home Depot damage section. And then he says, I'm going to build a mansion with this, right? His church. This is who the Son of God is. This is who Jesus is. He uses broken people to represent him. Incredible thing. And here's the thing. How many of you know, though, that those stones have to be shaped a certain way so that they can fit together where they can truly be strong and, and, and effective, right? The stones have to be shaped. They have to be formed. I love um, ancient architecture, you know, like Rome and those structures of Egypt, the pyramids. And it's fascinating to me, like, how with, with, without cranes and the internet and, you know, uh, 
uh, MIT engineers. They were able to build these unbelievable civilizations. In fact, I don't know, about probably five or six years ago, my brother and I, we were in Lebanon, of all places, in Beirut. We were, we were there um, looking at one of our missionary uh, partners' works. They were working with Syrian refugees along the border. And, and so we were there just seeing how they were functioning, how we could raise money for it. It's a phenomenal thing. So we were there in Lebanon, and we had like a free day. And my brother and I were like, let's go sightsee. So we asked, where should we go? And, and one of the guys said, you need to go to Biblos, Biblos, Lebanon. So what's that? It's, you can Google it if you want. It's the most ancient civilization that's still in existence. When I say existence, the structures are still there on earth today. Biblos, Lebanon. It was, it was, it was start 7,000 B.C., so there was human beings in Lebanon 7,000 years before Christ even arrives on the scene and they built an entire city. And those a lot of those structures are still there. So we, I remember we went and we're walking around there. I wish I had some pictures, but we were walking around there and there's like full, I remember there was, there was a, a structure that was like a, was a castle. And, and the tour guide saying, oh yeah, the Romans were here and the, uh, the Mesopotamian, I can't even say that word. Mesopotamians were there. I mean, the most ancient people were here. And I was like putting my hands on these stones. And I'm like, so you're saying someone 7,000 years before Christ put this here. And the guy's like, yep. I'm like, I don't believe it. I just, it's just so hard to wrap my head around, you know? And, and so it's just, it's just beautiful, fascinating. And, I, and I, you know, a lot of us have studied like the, the Incas and the Mayas and some of those civilizations. And in those civilizations, you can, you can study them. It's fascinating. There was this process called scribing and coping. And, and many of you have seen those pyramids and the things that the Incas and the Mayans built in, in Central and South America, etc. And this process of building these, it was called, it's called scribing and coping. And so what they would do, watch this, what they would do is, and, and they don't know how they would do it either. They would somehow, they would suspend these massive rocks, stones, all jagged and tore up. They'd, they'd somehow uh, excavate these big stones and then figure out a way to suspend them over the structure that they were building. And what they would do through a process of trial and error is they would get other stones and they would begin to sand down, are you with me? The stone that was suspended so that eventually, through the process of trial and error, they could level or they could, they could lower down this stone into the space that they needed. But how many of you know there was maybe 50 times, 100 times, where they would bring it down and, oh, that's not going to fit. Oh, no, it's not going to bring it back up. And what would they do? They would get other stones and begin to sand away at the stone that was suspended so they could get it to a place where it fit in the structure. You say, why are you explaining all this to me? Because it's a beautiful metaphor, a beautiful picture of what Jesus' church looks like. Because how many of you know, if you take me to coffee, you're going to see that this stone right here has got some rough edges. There, I got some jagged stuff sticking out, man. And, there, and, and, and when I get into relationship with other brothers, other followers of Jesus, when I become accountable to other people, what happens is that stone, who, by the way, Bill here or whoever, Bob, Jack, 
They got some jagged parts on them too. But what happens is as we begin to do life together in community, what happens is there's friction and there's a refining process so that as the two of us get into community, get accountable to each other, start doing life with each other, praying for each other, talk. We, be, we get refined in the process so that the both of us fit perfectly into the church of Jesus Christ. And that is what it looks like being his church. Now, if we're not careful, that process can leave one or the other offended. And let me tell you, I sit with a lot of people where the friction began to take place, the sanding of one another, the closeness. And, 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 and if our perspective is off, if, it's, if we're not thinking that this is how it works, this is a refining process of being a part of his church, we can go, oh, and we get offended. And then what do we do when we get offended? And we bail and we isolate. Man, part of this gig that I got is a lot of sitting down with people. A lot of, if you want to use the word counseling, so be it. It's just, for me, it's a lot of listening. And what I find out is many times the intended process of refinement, the, 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 one of the functions of the church begins to take place within community. And rather than the individual receiving and accepting it as refinement, oh man, they step away and that's when the enemy just tees off on them. And so today, what we're doing as we gather here in a corporate matter, as we're, as we're reading the word together, as we're worshiping together, as we're giving to the kingdom of God. This is all functions of his church, but this isn't just it. It's every day. It's when we leave these doors. We, you are the, we are the church. The church goes with us. And part of discipleship is refinement. And part of refinement, that comes in, I don't have time to get into all that. There's a, there's a lot of refining and it doesn't just have to do with other people. <laughs> But a lot of the times it does. For me, this is just a great reminder. Because if I'm not careful, I can just, I can just I'll get offended. Or I can receive the, the, the counsel or whatever that looks like, right? It, it happens a lot in accountability is why I'm saying that. When you're, but that's where, the, that's where some of the best refining is. When you have people in your life that, are, that you've given permission to ask the tough questions, and, and to talk through some of that stuff and pain and all that kind of stuff, what's happening is that's happening. And you begin to, you, you begin to rest and, and um, for lack of a better description, fit better. Like you fit better in his church as you lean on him as the cornerstone. Isn't that a cool picture? I don't know, I just think it's a cool picture. Let me pray for you. Why don't you bow your heads? Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church.